Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Today I want to share with you a message that is really, really powerful, I believe. And I titled it, The Impact of Your Life. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but, um, but God has called us to leave an impact on this earth. The Christmas season is all about Jesus coming into the world. And what Jesus did wasn't just come and do nice things. He actually came and he flipped the world on its head. He came and he transformed society. He's still doing it today. But sometimes we can forget about that version of Christianity. And so as we know this, as Jesus came, he, he began to transform people's lives. He transformed as he ministered throughout Jerusalem, throughout Israel, he transformed people's lives. He flipped the religious system on its head. People who encountered him left differently. And I want us to look at something today, a passage that I believe God wants to speak to us from that I believe it's gonna really shape us and give us strength. But we're gonna be looking at a passage that speaks of Paul and Silas. It also generally speaks of some disciples, but I want us to think about Paul for a moment. The Apostle Paul, just for, just for this morning, I want us to consider his life. And when you look at the Apostle Paul's life, you see a man whose life was turned upside down. His life was flipped on its head. He went from hunting Christians down and killing them. He went from dismantling churches and, and destroying everything that, that Christianity was doing at first. He had an encounter with Jesus and after that, he started head hunting down the rest of the world, not to kill them, but to make them followers of Jesus. He went from destroying churches to building churches. After his encounter with Jesus, it turned his world on its head. And so now Paul, who has, as the apostle Paul, he planted churches in Asia Minor, in Europe. He preached constantly. He made tents to provide for himself, but he went to city to city for one purpose, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to build a church, and to set people free with that gospel. I often think of the impact that Paul had. We're here today because Paul said, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to reach the Gentile world. I often think of the impact of my life. And I want you to consider today the impact of your life, the impact of what God has called you to do. I often think of the example that I'm gonna leave my children, the example of, of what I would leave for people who, the next leaders, the next generation who would lead this church. What example did we set for them with how we lived our lives? What example did we set for them how we made decisions? Did we leave the right example? I often think, which is a bit of a, a morbid thought, but I think often, I wonder what would be said at my funeral. Have you guys ever thought of that? I wonder what would be said. It does remind me though of these three guys who were, they were at a funeral and they were all at the casket and it was a, it was a sobering moment and, and they asked that same question. They said, man, what do you want to be said at your funeral? One of them said, well, I, I want people to say that I was a good family man, that I loved my family and my children and my wife, 
The second man said, I, I want people to say I made a difference. I lived out my purpose for Christ on the earth. The third man was quiet and wasn't saying anything. They looked over and said, well, what about you? What do you want said at your funeral? And he was quiet for a moment. He goes, well, that's easy. I want them to look down at my casket and I want them to say, hey, look, I think he's moving. So the <laughs> you thought it was going to be profound. That's not profound. But we all would say, yes, please say that at my funeral too, right? But the exercise of thinking of what impact you're going to leave or what others are going to say at your funeral, it's, it's not about living for the opinion of man. That's not, what that, that's not what that exercise is about. It's about living for what really matters on this earth. When, when everything else fades away, when everything else is, is crumbling and there will be a day this church won't be here. There will be a day when your house won't be there. There will be a day that, that this, this things begin to, they turn over in history and we know that. There will be a day when Christ returns and we'll have a new heaven and a new earth. We know all of that. This won't be here. So what should we live our lives for? What impact are we going to leave on a next generation, on a next individual what impact if people, if your child followed in exactly in your footsteps, would you want them to? What would remain through our lives forever? And so I want us to consider this this morning. I want us to consider those who come after us. I want us to consider if there was a letter written about our lives like we have here, Paul, what would it say? Acts chapter 17, we're going to look at how Paul lived his life. When I look at Paul's life, I know this, he is a man who lived for one purpose and that is to bring glory to God. So I'll read the passage today now. When they had passed through Amphipolis, excuse me, that, would, that was weird, sorry. Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in and as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, so he's preaching there and listen to this, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not of a few of the, excuse me, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason. Not mine, this is another guy. <laughs> Seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers from the city authorities shouting. Now listen to this. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king. Jesus. Now, when you look at the life of Paul, when you look at even Silas there, they're, they're also referencing with that statement, the disciples. 
when you look at that and when you read that, you see, particularly Paul, you see that Paul has made a decision about his life that he's gonna live it in such a way that's gonna transform people's lives. But he wasn't even concerned about transforming people's lives. His number one aim was to bring glory and honor to God through his life. When you look at Paul, you see a life that was deeply impacted by Jesus. He was deeply transformed by his encounter with Jesus. He had one aim, one major aim in his whole life. And we read of it in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. He's writing the Corinthian church. He says this, whether you eat or drink or whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Here's the truth. When you live your life for the glory of God, the impact of your life, no matter what your personality is, no matter what your vocation is, whether you're male, female, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, when you live your life with the glory of God as your aim, of how you, how you lead your family, how you make decisions, when you wake up in the morning, when you go to work, when you, when you breathe, breathe your own breath, if you're doing that for the glory of God, when those who choose to do that, you will have a greater impact with your life than you ever could have imagined. You can live normal or you can live supernatural. Those who choose the glory of God to be manifest through their life are those who live a supernatural life. Those who choose to live their life for the glory of God or to the glory of God, they, they look at scripture when they make decisions about their life. They, they look at scripture and they seek God in a biblical manner to know how, where they're gonna go, what decisions they're going to make. What was said about the disciples as they made decisions. Now we know they went all over the world they preached the gospel. Paul did it as well. But there's something that is said about them when they made a decision, I'm going to live my life for the glory of God. And this is what was said, that they have turned the world upside down for the glory of God. When I was reading this, I asked the question, is this our form of Christianity today? Is this really what we do with our lives? When we think of Christians, is it just about being nice and being kind and being just, yes, it is a part of that, but do we actually think that God has called us to be like these disciples, that the manifestation of the glory of God through our lives is actually to turn the world on its head? When you look at our version of Christianity, is it this version? Or is it some other version of Christianity that we, maybe we can't even find it in the Bible? Is Christianity become a, a place that, that we, we live because it's safe? Because it's, we, we don't have to take any risk. It's, it's about just surviving and we live in it. And maybe we're not turning the world upside down. We do live in an independent, self-reliant, ego-driven, build my own personal kingdom world. 
and a life or a church with a singular aim to live and to do whatever, all for the glory of God. We need to understand that when you live that life, the same thing that was said about the disciples will be said of you. That you turned the world upside down. Now, is the world saying that? Are people speaking that of myself, of you, and our church? See, it's a really good day. It's a really good day when the world says to the church, you've turned our world upside down. Because when, when the world is flipped on, on its head with the kingdom of God, it's, it's not a bad thing. It means that people have went from the kingdom of darkness, now we're in the kingdom of light. It means that God's provision is flowing and serving those around us. It means that those who are in bondage are, are, are now getting set free. Those who are addicted are being delivered. Those who are, who are impoverished of spirit are finding life and truth. Those with broken relationships are being healed. Marriages are restored. Children, prodigal sons and daughters come running home. This is what it means to be flipped on its head. This is not about, it's not about, oh, we, we, we have done damage. No, no, this is about we brought good. But here's the truth. When you live in a world that is deceived by the enemy, when the kingdom of God comes to the world, some people are going to be like, oh, thank God. And some people, you're going to become their enemies. So it's a great day when the world says you have flipped our world on its head. But uh, you know what a terrible day is? It's when the church says to the world, you've turned our world on our heads. You've flipped our world upside down. Your teaching has impacted our teaching. We look to you to find out what the church should be doing. That's a terrible day. A life lived for God's glory means this, that you are impacting and influencing the people around you in the manner in which God wants to do it. That's what it means. Not you want to do it, but what God wants to do. It's about demonstrating and manifesting the purposes and the glory of God through your life to those around you. This is what happens, though, when God's people, the world is flipped upside down. This is what happens when an individual or when God's people together collectively allow God's kingdom to flow through you. This is what happens through the lives of the disciples. This is what happened in the life of Paul. He allowed the kingdom of God that was within him to flow from him to those around and when they did that, and when they lived from that or for that, they were turning the kingdom of darkness on its head. And things changed. We, there were some, some pictures of this happening throughout church history. Just a few of them, and I, I think I've shared some of these before, but in 1904, there was a, a, a 26-year-old man named Evan Roberts who lived in Wales. 
And he believed that his nation, he believed his nation should be saved. He was a peculiar man, but he knew that he had a, he, he, he had a message of the gospel. And so he preached it as the, as the, as the miners came out of the, the mines, the coal miners, he would preach the gospel to them. He'd preach it on the streets. He'd preach it outside of pubs. He'd preach it at night and he preached and he preached and he preached. Within nine months from November of 1904 to August of 1904, 100,000 people came to know Christ. Because one man said, God, I want to live my life for the glory of God. What's interesting is the impact of this one man deciding, I want God's glory to be manifest in the nation that God you've set me in. What happened is because the crime rate dropped so dramatically that judges sat in their courtrooms with nothing to do. What happened is that Instead of everyone going and watching soccer games on Sunday, they actually were going to churches and soccer stadiums were empty. What happened is, is that the brothels no longer had customers because their customers had been transformed by the power of Jesus. What happened is pubs sat empty because the men weren't going in and getting drunk. What happened is that the glory of God transformed the society because one man made a decision. I want your glory to flow through me and I'll do whatever you want for your glory, God. It wasn't about him building his brand, his, his, uh, his Twitter feed, his, his Instagram. It was about bringing the glory of God to those who don't know him. And God used him. The funniest thing is that the miners had to learn how to control their donkeys because they, the, all the donkeys knew were curse words and how to do it. So they had to actually, it's historical, they had to retrain the donkeys because the miners weren't cursing anymore. <laughs> that is what happens when a people and a church says, Lord, Everything we do, we want it to be for the glory of God. Not for our safety, not for our preservation. Everything we do will be for your glory. And this is what happens when the kingdom of God comes to a church and comes to a person. The kingdom of God that is within us, it's not for the church, just for the church. It's for the society, the community in which God has set the church in. That's how local churches work. We forget it sometimes, but a local church designed by God in the, in the New Testament is designed to reach the community in which it sits, the surrounding communities. So God is looking for a vessel a conduit to move through to reach the people around. 
Yes, we come and we celebrate and we are filled up and, and, we, give, and we give the gospel and we teach the, the, the word of God. And yes, we do those things. We, come to, we need each other. It's the gathering of believers. That's what we do. But then we go out and we take the kingdom of God and we demonstrate the glory of God through our lives to reach a hurting and broken society. That's what we're destined and called by God to do. And when God's kingdom comes, Society is turned upside down with the truth of God's word, with the truth of the gospel, with the spirit of God changing people's lives. But we must not assume everybody is going to be happy. There's nobody in this room that says, you know what? I like to do things that make other people not like me. But if you're a follower of Jesus, according to the scriptures, not everybody is going to like you. If we don't stand, if we don't make a decision that we are planted on this earth and this place where I work, where I walk at the grocery store to bring forth the glory of God, if we don't do it, the enemy will take it over himself. We are the guardrails to the demonic schemes of the enemy. And we don't just hold them back. We are designed to kick them down. The statement that was made about the disciples and the apostle Paul and Silas, when they said these men have turned our world upside down, they were not complimenting them. They weren't like, wow, you've turned our world upside down. That was not what they were saying. They were not happy with what was going on. They were not happy at the disruption that they were causing. Now, hear me though. They didn't walk in the acts of the flesh. They weren't angry. They weren't mad. They weren't, they weren't rude, but they were direct. They walked in authority and they had on them the fruit of the Spirit, but they did it with power and authority. They didn't say this because they were being jerks that they're turning the world upside down. No, they said that because they were proclaiming what truth was. They were standing and they were proclaiming and they were preaching the gospel and people's lives were being turned upside down. Not everybody is going to like an individual or a church that says we want to do all things for the glory of God. We actually see our city and our community as our responsibility. Something that happened in Acts chapter 16. Paul, once when they were going to, a, to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners for fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed. See, it's okay to be annoyed, all right? Someone's like, yes. He's annoyed, but it's righteous annoyance. Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized 
that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. This is flipping the world upside down. So they cast a demon out of her. She was a fortune teller. Now her, her owners can't make any money through her. So the owners weren't happy, but do you know who was happy? The little slave girl was set free from demonic powers. So you're going you're gonna to confront society and they're not going to like it. There was another account in Acts 19, a city in Ephesus, in the shadow of the temple of the worship of God Artemis. Paul is preaching the gospel and he's telling them, your God is a false God. Your God is not the one true God. He was pointing them to Yahweh. He was pointing them to Jesus. And so he told them, you shouldn't be worshiping idols made of silver. Now, Paul had been confronted his whole life. He knew the law. He knew the Ten Commandments. He said, uh-uh, uh-uh, don't do this. this it, it's, not, it's not even God, and you're worshiping these, these little silver, silver idols. Well, the silversmith got mad because guess what he made? Silver idols. So he formed a mob, and they were going to go kill them because people stopped buying silver because people were turning to Jesus instead of false idols. And when the kingdom of God comes, it confronts status quo. It doesn't back down. It doesn't say, oh, I, I'm not going to speak the truth because I'm worried about your business of, of, of brothels or idols or, or whatever it may be. Though the people of God speak the truth regardless of the cost. They follow scriptures no matter how hard it is. And we do it. And when we do it, the glory of God is manifested and people's lives are transformed and we get to be a part of it. What is our brand of Christianity today? Does it look like this? Do we live our lives just obsessed with what everybody thinks about us? I'll answer that, yes. What's the world gonna say about us while we're doing and obeying scriptures? Well, if we obey it, we got, we got to make sure we do it this way. We make sure we communicate it this way. Make sure we don't. Listen, God is calling the church of Jesus Christ to be a church that stands strong, obeys God, serves the kingdom of God, and allows his glory to flow through us to a world who's desperate for us to actually do it. <laughs> Who should be speaking up for the young people who are, who are get, who the, whose parents are pushing them into getting a sex change. Who's going to stand up for, for what's being indoctrinated to our children about sexuality? Who's going to stand when it comes to life or, or justice or truth? It should be the church and no one else. Will everybody like it? No. When the kingdom of God comes through a person or a church, it brings clarity with the truth of God's word. It exposes evil. It heals brokenness. It removes confusion. It confronts spiritual blindness, hatred, perversion, violence, 
Those things, when the kingdom of God is manifest, are reversed and things are turned upside down. We can't say our world is too dark, our situation has gone too far, the enemy is too great. Listen, nothing is too difficult for God. Nothing is too desolate. Nothing is too far gone. That's what he does. That's who he is. And we have to ask ourselves, what version of Christianity am I living? What version is this church living out, teaching, going and doing? Jesus said in Luke 17, he says, you can't say the kingdom of God is here or there. Because he said this, because the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Believers. It's not over there. It's not some geographical location. It's where we are. It's where we stand. It's where we walk. It's where our church is planted. And the glory of God impacts when we as believers impact and influence the way that Jesus did. When we live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to him. The church over the years has been seduced into, we, we're just, we're the, we're the parrots of, of a culture that doesn't know God. We just, we, whatever they say, we just say in a, in a different way to make it, to Christianize it. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. Yes, God is love and we should love. Yes, God is kind and we should be kind. And the world says we should love. The world says love, 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 love. The world says that. The world says be kind. The world says everything that we say. But you know what the, what the world doesn't say? Align yourself to the scriptures and become holy. You know what the world doesn't shout? Let's be more holy. We're the only ones who our lives should be that which demonstrates something different to what the world says. And we should give hope. You know what the world doesn't say? Hey, let's reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we believe mankind is depraved. The world says all mankind is good. Well, that's a problem. Because if all mankind is good, then you don't need to be saved. We say every man is born under the curse of sin and is depraved and doesn't have it within himself to be righteous whatsoever. That's why Christ came to save all of us. We must understand, you have to draw a line as believers that mankind is not good. Mankind is evil, but God loves us so much that he sent his son to make us holy through our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the difference. Now, if you tell someone, if you tell someone, you know what, you are, you're just evil. Are they gonna like you? No, but you're also gonna say, and so was I until I found Christ. The kingdom of God looks like something in our lives. 
God's glory is displayed through something. It's when his gospel is spoken. It's when mercy is shown. It's when truth is spoken without the fear of backlash, but faithful to the truth of who God is. It's when lies are exposed. The kingdom of God manifests when, 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 when we begin to be the church and to be light, when we make decisions in our lives for our families, in our relationships, with our sexuality, based off of the word of God and not our feelings. And here's the truth. Most Christians today are afraid to live out this kind of Christianity because people aren't going to like you. But the truth is this. Paul spoke this in Corinthians. And he was talking about who we are and a message that we're to have through our lives I want you to look at the second Corinthians chapter two. It says, our lives are Christ-like fragrance, rising up to God. Now look at this. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. So you have two people. So the fragrance of our lives for those that, that, that God is working in their, li- in, in their hearts and we, the fragrance of our life is that, hey, Jesus came for you. Oh, it's, 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 it's wonderful to them. Those who reject what we believe, the word of God and truth, it's, it's not good to them. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? Not me, not you. You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preached for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. A life lived for the glory of God. We're God's people see the things that need to be dealt with. See the things that need to be taken care of. Everything we do is about aligning things to God's purposes, to God's heart. Where we are and what we do, that is where the kingdom of God is. That we need to understand that we are the carriage of the kingdom of God. We're it. We are the answer to the broken, hurting world through our lives, proclaiming the gospel of Christ. We are the answer to the children or the people or the families being devastated by a a worldly culture. We're the answer to give them life. We're the answer to give them truth. And will they reject you? Yes. Will they hate you? Yes. But for some, it will be the answer they've been waiting on. Matthew 5 says this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. Everybody say everyone. Gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, everybody say same way. Let your light shine before others. 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, good deeds, and we think, oh, good deeds is what, is what people approve of. But telling someone that their destiny is hell without Christ is a good deed. Not telling them about Jesus because, well, I don't want to offend them. I don't want them to, to not like me. Or I, I, can't, I can't give a biblical reason about sexuality because they'll cancel me. They'll reject me. I can't be open about my faith because what if they say bad things about me? I can't make decisions. I can't tell them I made a decision based off of the scriptures and what I sense God asking me to do because they'll go, oh, the Lord spoke to you. They'll make fun of you. But we aren't to consider the opinion of man. Friends, listen. Our decisions that we make about our life cannot consider the praise of man or the criticism of man. We must be obsessed with the glory of God, with the approval of God. That's how we begin to see the kingdom of God manifested into our community, into our families. When you leave here today, you need to understand you are carrying the kingdom of God. Where you walk, you can take authority over that area. In your family, you can take authority over your home. We are the salt of the earth. It says we're the salt of the earth, not the salt of the church. We're the light of the world, not the light of the church. Where to go and shine, where to go and make things better, where to go and confront and where to go and love and where to go and be kind and where to, where to show mercy. And when we open our lives up to the kingdom of God, friends, listen, nothing should stay the same. Nothing should, should just, just, ah, just, it just goes on, status quo. No. God has not called us to be normal, earthly people. He's called us to be followers of him. Children of another kingdom. In the world, but not of it. But not our, it's not our purpose to build bubbles. Though, yes, we have to for our children. We have to, it's called shepherding. You got to shepherd those in your life and you protect them and you keep them from, from the, the seduction of the world. Yes, but we're not called to stay there. We're called to equip each other there. Then we can go out and be lights and transform the world and not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not be ashamed of the truth of God's word. Nothing should stay the same when we open our lives. Everything should be turned upside down. Our marriages, our families, how we see ourselves, how we see the world, the decisions we're making. And really the kingdom of God that is within us first should impact us. It should bring the arrows of darkness into the light. It should, it, our vices should become virtues. Our bitterness should be now forgiveness. Our anger should become peace. Our toxic relationships should be reconciled and there should be understanding. 
for us, the kingdom within us. Violence should move to peace. Living for God's glory instead of personal glory. That's not always easy. And you will be ridiculed and you will be made fun of. But I refer you back to the truth of the fragrance of our lives. We do this because we know God's watching us. And we live our lives to give him honor and glory. If we want to turn the world upside down and every one of us will say yes, we first have to allow the kingdom to turn our world upside down. We first have to allow the kingdom to break our molds of church and tradition and what we think should be in our opinions. And we first must allow the kingdom of God to do something in our midst that he can do, not within our box, to say, no, God, you come and you have your way in our midst. You come and transform our lives, our hearts. God, we repent. We, we give you ourselves completely and wholeheartedly that we would be the people that carry your glory to the people around us, that we would be transformed in our minds and our hearts and our bodies, that we would, we would embody what you're doing and we would align ourselves with you, that we would allow God to do something, that we would make a decision. We're no longer going to allow division in our church or division in our family or gossip or, or whatever it may be. We're no, no longer going to care about stuff that God doesn't care about. The color of a wall in a church. Say amen to that. God doesn't care about those, the, the petty things, but he does care about you. And he does have an adventure for us to live and to walk out. He does care about reaching those around us. He does care about bringing a great harvest into his, into his kingdom. He does care that there is a field white with harvest. And what the only thing that's lacking is laborers. He does care about that which he cares about. What is our version of Christianity that we're living? All I know is I want it to be this. I want, to, I want God's glory to turn our world upside down. I want God to reach the hurting and the broken. I want God to save those who are lost. I want God in his glory to make disciples. I want God in his glory to impact us as we gather and we worship. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to live for this world. I want to live for his kingdom. And that's what God's inviting us to. That we would encounter him in a fresh new way. But we first need to allow him to truly impact our lives. So if we could this morning just allow his kingdom to impact us. Let's pray. Father, today Lord, we submit ourselves into your hands. And Lord, it can become so easy to become distracted, 
And to actually even what is meant to bring you glory, God does. has been seduced into bringing itself glory. Even churches, God, can stray from the truth of who you are to build their name instead of build your kingdom. But Lord, today we want to open our lives to your, to your spirit that we would be transformed today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to have your way in us right now. The God that you would convict us, you would show us the areas of our lives that need to be impacted by the kingdom, by your presence. Lord, that you would awaken us to your kingdom fresh and new. We would submit our lives to you. The Lord, that we would step out of our version of Christianity and we begin to walk out the, the version that we see in this, in this Bible that you gave us. And Lord, it looks... This isn't about personality. This is about your calling on our lives. That we are called as the voices to transform the world around us through our actions, through our words, through our deeds. And Lord, I just want to claim this city for your glory. Lord, I want to claim this community for your glory. Lord, I want to claim all the high schools and middle schools and grade schools around this, where we are as believers for your glory. Lord, I'm asking you to put an urgency in our hearts that we would fully understand today that as we submit ourselves to your kingdom, you call us to be lights in the midst of darkness. You call us to do things, God, to stand for truth, Wherever you have us, you call us to strategize about how to bring life in the kingdom. And that kingdom would impact and change people's hearts forever. God, that you would remove the wrong mindsets that we have about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That God, we would live in total abandonment to you. God, we give you our lives today. Jesus name just remain with your heads bowed for a moment if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to give your life to him today you want him to use you cleanse you forgive you and set you on a pathway of incredible adventure and you want to serve him if that's you today nobody's looking around just right where you are raise your hand just as a step and sign of faith bless you thank you thank you put your hands down God bless you. So many hands. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Just all of us are going to pray it together. And through this, through what God is doing in your heart right now, the reason why you know you need to be saved is because the Holy Spirit's revealed it to you. And so he offers us the problem, which is we are lost. And in the same hand, he offers us the solution, which is put your faith in Jesus. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I give you my life today. I want a new life. I want a new mind. I want a new heart. 
I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I put my faith in you, that you have forgiven me. I receive that today. Thank you for making me new. From this moment forward, may I bring you glory through my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, listen, I want to help you. We want to help you grow. We want you to grow in what it means to be a disciple. And if you've given your life to Jesus, if you could just jump on our website, send us an email, let us know that you gave your life to Jesus. We want to walk with you and see God totally transform your life in a wonderful way and transform generations to come through your life. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Friends, I love you today. I'm grateful. I have the honor to teach the word to you. I'm honored to lead with our team. And I'm grateful, grateful that we say yes to Jesus, no matter how hard it is. Amen. If you can, just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I pray that you would bless your people today, that God, you'd go before them, you'd lead them, you'd guide them. God, you'd prosper them. That Lord, they would go today and be lights in the midst of darkness, but they would not be afraid to shine. Lord, I ask you today that they would go and be salt in a world that is dying and desperate for them to be who you've called them to be. And maybe, may we walk very wisely, shrewdly, maybe we'll be gentle, but we also, God, may we walk with a, an authority that comes from your spirit. And so God, lead us and guide us as we step out of here into our mission field around us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.